Hi, welcome to my creativity. creative and producing output. I'm your host, Sari. I reveal how I work, my projects, my process, well, my creativity, from the planning and goal setting to how I stay accountable for my output, to the way ideas pop into my head, and to the frameworks I use to stimulate my creativity and formalize it. Now, each week, I go over last week's goals, and at the end of the episode, I produce some new ones. This is how I stay accountable. So let's get stuck in this. We've got April's goals. So April, I'm continuing to post my blogs. I'm continuing to update my social media. I'm continuing with how to write a novel. And I'm writing my, and and publishing, releasing my short story. Last week, I said I was going to run uh, at a a 7 kilometer during the week. And then on on the weekend, I was going to do 7 kilometers and 12 kilometers. So I did that. I ran the seven kilometers during the week. I'm running with my kids at the moment. They're riding their bikes because they're home from school. Uh, We've got what might be considered very long school holidays at the moment. And on the weekend, I ran seven kilometers and 11.6 or something. Not quite 12, but pretty close. My short story. Yeah, so that's come along nicely. As I said, uh, the idea of writing this short story is to demonstrate this uh, plotting and outlining process that I've developed, which I use to write my uh, exit plan, audio drama, and novels. And some more revision of how to write a novel. So that's coming along nicely. So during this past week, last week I talked to you about uh, this idea of a retelling of Hansel and Gretel. I went into that a little bit deeper this past week. I went, had a look then at starting to outline Hansel and Gretel and going through writing up this worksheet, which is this process that I've been developing for reliably creating effective stories. Because if, if I say my stated goal is to produce creative works that inspire people and that will lead towards my eventual being supported entirely by my creativity and in helping other people achieve their creativity, then I need to have a, a workable process that I can move through which will reliably produce results. Now, all the great companies, all the great artists have done this in various ways. Some more, shall we say, risque than others, some more business-like. But in the end, it all comes down to having some sort of a process. So I thought I'd go through a little bit of this worksheet that I put together for Hansel and Grell. I won't read the whole thing because it's, it's, you know, it's fairly detailed, I suppose. But the idea here is... We've got the base, so I'll give you a bit of a rundown of the base of Hansel and Gretel, a story. The idea is that 
it's set in sort of a medieval Germany where famine settles over the land. A woodcutter and his second wife argue about what to do. The stepmother, because it's always a stepmother in this case, because apparently real mothers aren't capable of this sort of thing, at least in fairy tales. The stepmother says to leave Hansel and Gretel in the woods to fend for themselves. Now, the dad doesn't like the idea, but he agrees it is all he can do. So overhearing this, Hansel collects some white pebbles. And when the children are led into the woods, Hansel leaves a trail of pebbles. After they are left by their father, Hansel comforts Gretel and says they can follow the trail back home. They do so, arriving in the morning. Not entirely sure why they'd want to do that, considering they've just been abandoned, but, you know, I suppose they don't have anywhere else to go. So Dad's happy about this, and Stepmom probably not as much. So when Famine once more strikes, the stepmother locks the kids in their room so Hansel can't gather pebbles. So instead, he crumbles some bread to use as a trail. Of course, the birds eat the bread, and Hansel and Gretel get lost in the woods. In the woods, they find a house made of sweeties, like the good old gingerbread house. And while they're having a bit of a munch on the house, a witch lures them inside and captures them. As she sets the fire in the oven to cook the kids, and there's like there's a bit of a side story there about testing, trying to fatten them up, and she can't see well, so she says, you know, give me a finger, and he hands her a chicken bone, or whatever, but it's not really the point. She gets the oven going, Gretel pushes her in, the kids find a jar of treasure and make their way home. The stepmother has died in the meantime. Uh, I like to think that the dad probably killed her and ate her. And the dad, who has been very unhappy, I don't like to think that's terrible, has been very unhappy since leaving the kids, is overjoyed and they live happily ever after on the witch's treasure. So that's uh, sort of a lovely, well, it's kind of a bit of a twisted story really, but what do you expect? Uh, so things to change. Two things to change. Number one was the setting. It was medieval Germany. Now it's a modern-day, unnamed western city. I'm not going for any particular city. I, it's a short story. I don't think it's important to name the city. It has no bearing on any of the plot points. I'm doing a bit of a character inversion. So Hansel and Gretel are the bad guys, and the witch is a kind-hearted stranger. So... What I do in my process here, I've got uh, two things. One is a top-down analysis to sort of get the large, broad strokes of a story down. And the other is a bottom-up, which is starting from a very finer detail and building up some of the finer details. And I do this before then sort of fleshing out the world and then moving on to plot points. And you'll see why. So the top down then, first of all, is the emotion. What emotion am I hoping to uh, have this story portray? You know, what, what do I want people to feel? What's the tone, if you will? And I've gone for hopelessness and anger, because this is a bit of a horror. Uh, this, you know, with Hansel and Gretel, they're being the, the main characters and they're bad people. It's going to be a bit of a horror story. So... The story uh, should leave the reader feeling a bit sort of off-put and a little bit sort of angry and a bit hopeless by the end of it. It's not a very nice story, a bit dark. The next thing there, so that's the emotion. And the next one is the shape. How do I want this emotion to evolve and develop through the story? And in this case, yeah, you can start low to high, high to low, uh, low, high, low, 
uh, high, low, high, you know, that sort of thing. So I've gone for the, um, so you can imagine a rags to riches type story would start low, and we're talking about a lot of hope or joy here. They start off low, they sort of have a crappy life, and they slowly build through to the end where there's the greatest joy at the end. In this case here, I'm starting with a high, a lot of hopelessness and anger because we've, we're basically going to have a couple of mean-ass kids being dumped in the street and in the middle, the low is actually a low level of hopelessness and anger. So that's where the reader will actually have the least uh, of these bad emotions. The reader should be feeling optimistic. And then we're going to end by dashing the, that level of optimism with another high level of anger and hopelessness. So we're going to start with Hansel and Gretel being bad. In the middle, things look calmest and most hopeful. And we're going to end with the most despair and anger. The delivery style. What sort of narrative delivery? Uh, you, know, you can go for epic. You can go for parable, documentary, fairy tale. And I've decided to stick with the fairy tale. And the difference between fairy tale and a parable generally is that a fairy tale has uh, a sense of the mystical about it. It can you can actually have literal like magic and fairies and stuff in there, and that's not uncommon. Uh, the original Hansel and Gretel has a witch. Uh, not that any of her magical powers expressed. I suppose there's a house made of gingerbread. I mean that's not normal. So I'm not going to that level quite. But it means I'm going to use some magic numbers. I'm going to use so magic numbers are often three, seven, five prime numbers, as it turns out. So you get like the three little pigs, you get the seven dwarves, uh, you get the seven brothers, uh, and five, I don't know, five somethings. So Hansel and Gretel are going to get three chances to be good. They'll kill three people. And each person that dies is probably going to be more damning to them than the last. And on the final death, there will be a transformation. So this is something that happens often in fairy tales. Things transform. People, situations. In the original Hansel and Gretel, uh, their situation transforms from destitute, you know, abandonment, uh, famine, to being one of happiness, family, and wealth. Not so much in my version. Now we're going to look at what characters. And by characters, we're looking at sort of some broad uh, archetypes. And I have a few that I sort of use. We, we talk about, um, we have, say, the farm boy or girl. So the farm boy is a girl or, or girl is the innocent one who is thrust into adventure and on whom greatness is bestowed if they earn it. They're the ones whose dreams are big and wild until they enter the real world and discover the dreams are less fantastic than reality. Even after achieving greatness, they remain humble and plain in their thinking. Then we have the street urchin. Unlike the farm boy or girl, the street urchin is jaded and cynical. Their exposure to the real world reveals it to be less terrible than their experience would suggest. In many ways, a street urchin is the opposite of the farm boy or girl. When greatness is offered, despite initially believing it's what they want and what they deserve, the street urchin shies away and shuns the apparent authority and power it provides. Then we have Lone Wolf. The Lone Wolf starts off feeling like they are on their own. Their actions and words tend to isolate and separate them from others. 
but as the story progresses, they will come to realize they are not alone and don't want to be, though they retain their aloof nature. What, uh, so they do so with confidence that they are alone, but not lonely. We have the mentor. They've seen a lot of life and a lot of the world. She takes another character under her wing and offers guidance, thinking she's seen and experienced everything. She's surprised when the character she mentors teaches her a thing or two. And as the story progresses, the mentor inevitably finds something new that invigorates her waning interest in the world. Questor. The Quester, and this is what I've chosen for Hansel and Gretel. The Quester has a driving goal that spurs him on through great adversity. The same burning need to achieve his goals blinds him to the opportunities presented to him. His quest is all-consuming, and if he doesn't take the time to realize there is more to life, he will ironically fail. And that the final one is Accidental Hero, who never wanted glory, never thought they would be thought of as a hero, but one simply mis simple mistake changes that. Suddenly, after accidentally or mistakenly being heroic, he has everyone's attention. Eventually, he must admit his lack of heroic spirit, despite the growing feeling that being a hero is his destiny. So the quest door... What does that mean in terms of Hansel and Gretel? So, each of them, Hansel and Gretel, has a different question that they're trying to answer or seek. So Hansel, he's seeking to conquer. Gretel is seeking to belong. In Hansel seeking to conquer, he will fail to realize true power and respect comes from mutual love. Gretel will consume to belong. Failing to realize that sharing values makes a person belong. Mmm, starting to get a little bit dark. Bottom up. So that's the top down. So that starts off nice and broad. We're talking about emotion. We're talking about sort of themes. We're talking about what sort of delivery style I'm looking for. Uh, the sort of shape. And now we're going from the bottom. So we're going to start start with something really specific. And that is the event. What is... What is sort of going to be the defining event of this short story? And in novels, you do the same thing. It's going to be the, at the end where Hansel kills their father, and then Gretel kills Hansel. And then Gretel transforms into a monster. And this is the final scene that wraps it all up. So I've, as I said, this is a bit of a horror story. This is not light-hearted or joyful uh, the teaching that it's trying to teach is a bit more like jigsaw and a little less like mother goose so then the people involved so we talk about characters but that's sort of a high level archetype of characters now we're talking about the, the real people themselves and the roles they play we've got hansel gretel and the father so hansel he initiates the event and that's the thing you talk about the people in this event and how they started it why they started it so Hansel initiates the event because his father provokes strong emotion. Gretel then is the one to end the event and present the lessons to the reader. The reason, the reason the people are involved in this event. So the father is a narcissistic abuser of his children. Yeah, I told you, it gets dark. Superficially, he claims to love them, but in reality, he uses them to justify anything bad that happens in his life and needs, in quotations, them to be the scapegoats for his bad fortune. He is in the event because he has been looking for them. He needs Hansel to testify, testify. He needs Hansel to testify for him in court. So he tries to convince them to come home and convince them he's sorry. Hansel, finally feeling full of his power, having killed the witch, 
wants to confront his father for neglecting casting him out. It was always about killing his father to take his place as the head of the household, the lord of the manor. Now Gretel, she depends on Hansel and feels she isn't complete without his power. She wants to return to father in the hopes that his apology is sincere and that he will accept her as his child. But when Hansel kills father, Gretel realizes she's feeding off Hansel's presence. So she kills him and eats him. Gretel's final slip into madness and cannibalism, cannibalism literally transforms her into a monster, one that can never find satisfaction. What do each of them really want? So Father wants a confrontation to go like others in the past, where Hansel and Gretel bow to him and do what he wants. Hansel wants Father dead, so he doesn't have power of him anymore. And Gretel wants them all to be a single unit. And that's not going to turn out well. So that's, that's the reason that the people are involved in the event and what the event is. So let's get a bit of setting here and a bit of build up on how this event is going to come about. So the family live in poverty uh, and they're tangled in various petty crimes, violence, drug abuse. So twice father leaves Hansel and Gretel out on their own to handle a crap situation. So I don't entirely know what that situation is yet, but yeah, that's, that's all part of the creativity part. The first time they come back, he puts them down and, and makes it all their fault. Because, you know, he's the narcissistic butt-lord. The second time, Hansel and Gretel blame themselves, but can't make it home. While at the witch's house, Hansel realizes his father is abusive. So, when he confronts his dad in the end, he doesn't take his crap. That's the sort of build-up. The situation at the witch's house is going to be a pivotal turning point. Going from the start of the story where Dad is in control and Hansel and Gretel are quite weak and powerless, they're victims. The witch's house is going to be this turning point where they each come to this new vision. Hansel is going to become a homicidal maniac and Gretel a cannibalistic monster. That's one hell of a house. Anyway, so the fallout then and the foreshadowing. So we're talking about what's the fallout of this event? And how is it foreshadowed? Because there's no point in having a big momentous event and something happening. If it just suddenly pops up out of the blue, it's it's often feels a bit unsatisfactory. Now the foreshadowing, of course, wants to be subtle enough that when it when the event happens, when the fallout is revealed, it feels like a natural progression. You don't want to be so obvious that people are going, yeah, that's going to happen at the end. Like, I don't want people to be reading this and go, yeah, Gretel's going to eat Hansel and turn into a monster. Like, if people are already thinking that before they get to the end, then I've failed. At the same time, when Hansel is killed and eaten, and Gretel does literally transform into this monster, I don't want people going, what the heck? You know, where did that come from? They need to be sitting there going, oh, yes, that makes sense. Yeah? So that's what we're talking about here. And I found there's a, a term, uh, isotopy. So the idea is that you have two parts of a sentence or a story which use different words but in a similar meaning. And foreshadowing 
falls into a part of that sort of concept where, where for example, I, I know the example I saw was like a simple sentence. I drink the water. That's, you know, that's a mirroring there. Drink and water are sort of complementary. Like you, you expect the water or something from the drink. You wouldn't say, I drink the rock. That would be, that would make someone reread that sentence and go, what, what on earth just happened there? Yeah, so that's what we want. We want this foreshadowing where the start of the story has similar symbols and meaning to the end of the story, but different. So the fallout, the father is killed, Hansel realizes he can kill all of his problems away. Time to stab my problems away. The foreshadowing of this. Hansel has a nether, le nether necklace, a leather necklace his father gave him for his birthday one year. Hansel realizes it isn't a symbol of his father's love, but is a symbol of his father's power and possession over him. So he deliberately cuts the cord and burns it. That's going to be that sort of foreshadowing of, yeah, something bad is happening. Well, I mean, maybe I'm not going to literally do that, but that's sort of that's what I'm looking at here. Now, the Gretel's fallout. Gretel kills Hansel and eats him, transformed into a monster. Ooh, okay, so I need a bit of foreshadowing for that, because it's going to be about out of the ordinary. So first of all, I'm, I'm, the sorts of things I'm thinking here, Hansel and Gretel are told of monsters that live in the sewers and eat people. Uh, they were once people, but got so hungry they turned to cannibalism. And or one of H and G's... You know, Hansel and Gretel's friends is a guy who deliberately crippled his brother so he could look after him forever. So I'm I'm sort of thinking it's I'm not sure I you know I haven't written the story yet. What I'm trying to do here is generate some foreshadowing concepts. Okay, so fleshing it all out. Now I've got to move into like the I've done a bit of a top down and bottom up, you know, so I've got this bit of a feeling here of what's going on. I still don't really have a story. I certainly don't have a plot, but I need to flesh things out a bit. So I look at the world and the people, um, and what else we look at here? World, the people. Uh, so we're going to look at the main characters, the main villain, uh, the supporting cast. I've got to find, sort of pick the genre a little bit maybe, uh, and that's important because you want to be able to use language and and situations that are, are familiar for that. So when people are reading this, I don't want them to mistakenly think I'm writing a romance. I, I want people reading this to know that this is going to be bad. I want that uncomfortable feeling people have. And then I'll get on to plotting and planning. So that's where I need to start positioning. Uh, I need to pick how, how long is this short story going to be? Uh... Not sure, about 5,000 words, I guess. And then I need to get the, the plot points in. So I've got to get this final confrontation at the end. I've got to have the witch in the middle. And I'm going to have to have the abandonment sort of towards the beginning. And I've got to sort of title together. So I'll get to that. But so far, I'm to flashing the world out. So the character of the world. Worlds have character, you know. So we're talking about its mood is grim. Scattered trash clings to the ground, wet from the near-constant drizzle that stops only long enough for the sun to transform the damp into a choking humidity. Grubby streaks and rust stains mark the concrete slabs that seem to be the predominant construction material. Houses have broken car bodies, 
trees, the cardboard is out front, trees bear fungus, and lampposts have posters featuring missing children and animals. Tall, mirror-like, glass-clad skyscrapers line the horizon, the tops of which shine like beacons, visible only when the low and heavy clouds part. So you get a bit of a bit of a feel there. I'm, that's the sort of language I'm looking for. Now the age of the world, and this is interesting because it's always it's the age of a world isn't really necessarily the uh, the amount of time that's passed. It's you're looking at a young world. Things are fresh and new. People are surprised and joyous when they meet. Uh, a middle-aged world. People are comfortable. Technology is um, well established. And I'm looking at an advanced age. So this is where technology is advanced but never seems to work right. Uh, the paint has not been replenished. People are a little bit sort of wary and, and weary of each other. So cars that once blipped with a cheery chirp at the push of a button now have makeshift handles made from coat hanger wire. The streets are cracked and even the advertising billboards are peeling to reveal layers of ads for long forgotten products. People stick to their own groups and eye each other warily. A smell hangs over the whole place like musty cardboard and copper. Hmm. The political stance. And again, not to do necessarily with the politics of the situation, but, but you'll see. So I've chosen anarchic. And anarchic, anarchy lacks a head or ruler. It doesn't mean that everything and anything goes but rather that there is no individual or group that inhabits the leadership position. Rules are not determined outside the individual and no central authority exists. Now the world, in fact, is, uh, is probably nominally a capitalist democracy. But the situation that I'm going to write about is anarchic. There's no central authority. There are rules and laws, but people pay scant lip service to them and instead enforce what they can and skirt the rest. Map. So I need a bit of a map of this world. What sort of places does it have? So what I've gone for is there's different types of neglect and crime exist on boundaries of major roads and train tracks. Hansel and Gretel's house is bordered by train tracks, over which is the heavy blue collar suburbs. Then the freeway that carries heavy trucks traveling from the airport and warehouses into the city. Finally, the city is vertically stratified, with the service workers at the bottom, public servants in the middle, and the private elite at the top in their glowing penthouses. People go missing in Hanson Gretel's suburb. Violence and drugs are in the blue collar, and theft and slavery in the lower parts of the city. Yeah. So as you can tell, I'm I'm moving to some pretty dark places here. And truth is i've i've not written a lot or any of this sort of deep horror grim dark type uh grunge i suppose you'd call it so it's gonna be a bit of a challenge for me uh i'm usually a little bit more sort of ironic uh yet heroic i suppose might be the term so um but you can i think you can probably start to see this this world and this story starting to build up. And like all good short stories, that there'll be that little twist at the end. I think that's very important for short stories. You need to get to the end and the reader has to be left wondering or, or amazed or interested. Like maybe they want to know more or what really was going on there. And in this case, 
it's going to be it. So Gretel turning to the monster at the end. I, I'm thinking the reader should be left wondering if I meant literally turn into a monster or if she just sort of went a bit nuts. There will be hints that, yes, she really did turn into a monster. But there should be enough question there to wonder if it was really real. So that's sort of the start of this outlining process. And this is done for a short story, but I mean, I could turn this, I could easily turn this into a novel. Like there's enough, there's enough meat here to turn to a novel. The whole uh, being left out and abandoned and then following a trail home, that in itself could be several chapters. It, it could be a bit more metaphorical. Um, being left out in the wilderness could have been a, a some sort of a crime went bad and Hansel got to get captured and they end up in a jail somewhere. Managed to, you got a trail of pebbles to escape, so maybe... I don't know what sort of metaphor that would be. That would be like, uh, maybe there's sort of, Hansel knows enough other bad people to sort of trade his way up out of trouble. It easily turns into a novel, but I'm, I'm going for a short story. So it's a little bit, it's probably a little bit overkill for a, a short story yeah, to go this far, but I'm hoping that it works as, a demonstration of an outlining process. And so when I do release this short story, there'll be just the short story and then there'll be the worksheets of how I went through it and there'll be sort of the breakdown of each part of the story and how it interrelates. And with any luck, someone somewhere will find it. I know someone will find it useful. I won't because I've just done it, but someone will. Jeez. Um, more about that next week. So next week's goals are, I'm going to do a 7km, so I'm still doing my 5km runs of course during the week, but I'm going to do a 7km run again, and then on the weekend a 7k and a 12k. I'm trying to sort of build this up. The marathon I was going to join or compete in has been cancelled because it's 2020, everything's been cancelled. Won't be, won't be doing any 2020 stuff this year. Uh, short story is what I'm going to be working on. So, running in a short story. That's about it. Uh, interesting, interestingly enough. I'm doing other stuff as well. I'm working heavily on a computer game, which I hope to get a tech demo out. What is it? It's April. Um, in the last quarter of this year. A bit of a tech demo, some graphics. It's a role-playing game. It's a bit like if you ever played the old Bard's Tale or Wizardry or Might and Magic. That sort of sort of deal. We'll see how it goes. Bye. That's it. See ya.